Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 79. This cast, as always, is sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc. and GatheringMagic.com. Cool Stuff Inc. is the number one shop for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a sweet 25% BIOS bonus, and many more cool things to check out, Gathering Magic and Cool Stuff Inc. is the place you should go to buy all your Magic stuff. I'm joined man, this week, of course. Man, time out. That was <laughs> that was how you know that that was not a pre-recorded segment because that was one of the worst introductions you have ever done. Because you have like this little thing that you always say, and then you like went off the rails. You're like, man, I don't know how to get back on. And then you like turned back and went way too far the other way, and you just completely missed where you were going. Yeah, I, wanna... I could have done about 25% better, just like CoolStuffInc.com's trade-in bonus. Exactly. Thank you for bringing it back around. Um, I'm joined this week, of course, with bearded buffoon and noted... Uh, How am I a buffoon? You're the pick, one that messed up. Noted picky uh, McGee over here, Jim Casali oh, of man, Quiet the, Speculation. The flaming is, is, uh, is hot today. And I'm also joined, of course, with... Uh, the lovely Ed Wynn, notable MTG Finance cardboard monkey. Uh, Ed has recently been through a close shave on razor-thin margins, but he was able to escape from this hairy situation and make it to the cast on time. Man, that was that was bad. That was so bad. <laughs> that was that was bad. So today we're going to comb through Ed's mind and see what uh, secrets he has to. Uh, to help with, hopefully he won't go too bananas. Uh, so speaking of things that actually matter, we just had Iconic Masters get dropped off at pretty much every shop today. And from what I can tell you from opening packs all day, the foiling process is similar to Modern Masters 3, um, but there's a lot of damaged foils that are coming out of these packs that were obviously factory sealed. And that's just something you guys should be aware of that... um. We had a significant amount of rares and especially foils come out with quite a few roller marks on uh, on the bottom. The good news is uh, the value is actually concentrated at the rare section rather than the mythic section this time. Uh, so unlike Iconic Masters, the average value of a box should be able to sustain itself a little better. Um, Lorwyn Thoughtseize is already down to 16 bucks each, which uh, if you were waiting on the, that art, Seems really good. Uh, I sold a lot of mana drains on TCG already for pre-sales at 80 each. I think these go down to 50. Ed, are there any things you've heard about uh, the print quality of this set or like where you think prices are going to go now that we know how much everyone's getting? I saw some reports from people who opened up cases for singles that uh, there was an issue with some of the foilings. It seems like some of them, some of the creatures have very, very lightly printed uh, text boxes, so like it's very very hard to read like the power and toughness on some features. I've heard that from more than one person independently, so that may be something to be aware of when you're buying foils. Um, I have not opened any for myself. This is all hearsay, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, also, in terms of prices, I see a lot of people uh, starting to drop prices on boxes uh, ever since Preston or better known as Kid Icarus on uh, eBay. One of the largest sellers on uh, one of the Facebook groups. I think it was sixty report. One hundred sixty a piece. If you bought a case, you would get uh, you would get free shipping. 
Uh, since then, I've seen a lot of people drop boxes into like the 100 and 165 uh, area. So if, if you didn't get in already, there's going to be quite a bit to go around, I imagine. I think you're going to have a uh, positive feedback loop where basically the people who aren't selling them at that price are basically going to be forced to um, just to cover the cost of their boxes, especially considering how much is out there and how many people have available to order. Um, and as a result, like because everyone's going to be at the same price, people are going to continue to try to undercut each other to get rid of their boxes. Um, so right now, 160, it's uh, it's a fine buy if you want it. I think uh, I think a lot of card prices will go down quite a bit since it's a little bit different than Modern Masters Three, where you had staples like you know fetches. Like it's no secret, like fetch like fetch lands are like probably like the best cards in Magic. Um, like Blood Moon, Liliana, those are pretty ubiquitous in Modern. But like if you compare to Iconic Masters. Like, what the hell are people going to do when they open a Mandrain? No one's going to open up a Mandrain and then suddenly decide to play a blue deck in Vintage. Like, that, that's not remotely how that works. Um, or, you know, like, uh, you know, you open, like, a Warrenplex. Well, if you didn't already play EDH and you didn't already have a green deck, you're unlikely going to just build a Warrenplex deck. Um, and because a lot of the cards are, as like, one of as well, they're a little bit more narrow in application. Like, Fluster Storm is a two of, at best, in Legacy. Uh, we'll probably see uh, single prices get uh, depressed pretty heavily going into the holiday season. Yeah, I sold a lot of boxes at 165. I'm actually going to have more up again tomorrow. Um, I think Preston sold out finally, which is uh, which is decent. Um, Ed, for the love of God, fix your your uh, repeating audio there. Um, but a lot of the boxes that we opened have been really hit or miss. I think personally, you really need to uh, pray to the fact that you're going to open a really good box. Otherwise, your money will have been sent to oblivion. Um, in order to have a commanding uh, lead on this stuff and not have your wallet feel drained, it's definitely something where I'd recommend buying singles over boxes, especially if we look at Eternal Masters. Uh, the floor of these cards was December when everyone was doing these Black Friday or uh, sorry, New Year's deals or end of the year deals. Uh, that's something where if these continue to fall or stagnate around December, I think it's a great time to target. I, I really like Flusterstorm in a couple months and I really like the uh, Thoughtseize Lorwyn in a couple months. I'm not sure how the Japanese market is going to adjust to the Thoughtseize reprint, but for Legacy specifically, I really like Flusterstorm long-term. Anything you've had your eyes on, uh, Jim? Sorry, I had a hard time clicking the unmute button. Um, so I pretty much only play a, a commander right now, and most of my collection is either stuff that I purposely bought for commander or is like leftovers from stuff that I was playing when I was playing competitively. And like a couple of the things that I've been looking at that have like been nice to haves, but I haven't like really gotten out of my way to get was the uh, the weird um, future site duels. So like Horizon Canopy and Grove of the Burn Willows are two cards that I'm like cautiously optimistic that I might be able to buy for a reasonable amount of money because um, previously they've just been too expensive because of their play in modern. So I'm keeping an eye on those. Um, I like all the stuff in the set that has new art. Uh, as some people have already no noticed on Twitter, I'm getting a set of the Kamigawa Dragons, even though they're like 
couple of them are not very good. Uh, there's still a ton of fun, and the art's great, so I'm excited about those. Um, I don't know. There's just, like, it's a bunch of cool things here and there. I think a lot of the new art stuff, though, is, is stuff I'm most interested in. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where this set ends up versus something like Eternal Masters, where all the money was concentrated in the Mythics, and we've definitely seen like the rare prices just be like way lower than normal, and the uncommons haven't really like as Paul had mentioned, things are starting to recover uh, from moder from uh, Eternal Masters and MM Seventeen, but I really like where this set's value is concentrated more than I like where something like Eternal Masters or um like even mm 2015 was so it's just something to keep an eye out on there's going to be plenty of opportunities for everybody in the community whether you're a speculator or a player to pick up these ubiquitous staples in certain formats for cheap and i think this is one of the times where they they really did a good job sure there's only nine to ten cards that like people actually want out of this set for competitive play but this set appeals to casuals and competitive players and it satiates a lot of the reprints that have been long uh, needed when Horizon Canopy was like a billion dollars, for example. It, it helped, the cheaper all these cards are, um, the easier it is for more players to get into these formats and help them grow. So I hope to see a uh, rising wave for cards that were not printed or maybe have benefited from becoming a little cheaper. Uh, go up a bit. I mean, basically, Legacy Infectus had everything but the revised Dual Lands be reprinted at this point, and Glistener Elf. Uh, it's really good to see from a Legacy standpoint. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add about Iconic Masters here. Nope. The set seems very, like, all over the place, which is a little weird. Like, I wasn't sure who they were exactly making it for. Um, but I'm glad that it has a wide breadth of of, uh, of reach, so hopefully someone will figure out a way to buy all the product and open it instead of like Modern Masters one, where it just kind of like got bought up and then sat in the back room somewhere. So hopefully this will have a, have a big impact on the price of cards. So I drafted this with a bunch of casual players that don't play competitive formats yesterday as a way to open boxes. Yes, we have permission from our rep and wizards directly that says we can open boxes how we choose as long as we don't sell the cards ahead of time and like the shop keeps all the cards um the casual players really had a blast there's a lot of like really fun dragons in this set and angels and demons and just it, it really is a good draft format so i highly recommend if your lgs is holding like a 30 or 35 dollar draft to go and play it because this is one of this is definitely a better draft format than modern masters 2017 in my opinion and the casuals really like slamming a Bladewing the Risen or a Lord of the Void or something like that. So it's it'll be a very fun draft format. So if you see a box for like 165 to like even up to 180, I think it's worth buying a box just to have fun with your friends and you'll recoup most of the money on average at rare to uh make it a fun night. So I'm, yeah, I'm very all, happy. Yeah, 170 on TCG player right now. Yeah, I mean, it's this This is a good set. Now, if we're wrong and you guys don't have a good weekend, be sure to let us know on Twitter or something about how I was wrong as usual. Uh, but just from a, a uh, personal standpoint, the people that have seen the set and messed around with it have enjoyed it quite a bit. So it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, moving on, of course. Jim, do you want to talk about our 
credit winner of the week? Sure. So our winner this week is Brad. Uh, Nidowski. Maybe Nidowski. Kowski. I don't know. You're from New York, but uh, basically he said. Uh, you guys sound pretty jaded about MTG Finance. Three out of the four of you guys either do this as a side gig role and, or are only in it for the short term. Ed is the only one who has made this a long-term career, and he seems to be the only one who enjoys being in the game. I don't know if that's true. Um, no, you know now, would you guys would you guys have gotten into MTG, MTG Finance all those years ago? So, Brad, um, thank you for your question. Please send me a message on Twitter or on Facebook on the Cartel Aristocrats page, and I will get you your $25 of Cool Stuff store credit. And if you'd like to win the store credit next week, you can leave a comment on the Gathering Magic page. And um, if we pick your question, then you win. Well, Jim, how jaded are you? I'm sorry, I was coughing. What did you say? How jaded are you? I'm not jaded. I think it's I like I enjoy playing Magic a lot, and I enjoy the new sets that come out, all the new cards. Um, it's just not my job. Like I have a job. I go to work every day, do computer programming stuff that I'm much better at and is much more stable. Like running a business is difficult, and then even if you're very good at it, you could still be unsuccessful because of market conditions and stuff like that. So. I don't think it's worth it in the long term to be trying to do this as my job. It's not something I enjoy that much. It's just fun to do on the side. Ed, uh, I think it's. I think I mentioned this like in the past before. Like, if I had known this, would I do it over again? Probably. Obviously, there are things I would do differently, but I don't necessarily have any regrets about going in and doing this. Um, it's 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 a lifestyle that's not for everyone um it's not something that i would like i like i wholeheartedly don't recommend that people just pick this up and decide like hey i'm just gonna be a magic grinder and work for a card store like full-time um it's one of those things where i enjoy kind of the freedom of being able to do what i do uh the travel is nice uh working like a hundred like 80 hour weeks that's not like always the best but sometimes it is what it is um I, again, I I don't think it's the worst. Like, if I had a different career, I don't know if I would. It depends on what it is. Like, uh, I've always wanted to be a doctor. Is one of those things that, like, I scored well in the MCATs. I could have applied to medical school. I did fine. I could have gone. Um, and that's something my I'm actually still looks to, to towards doing in the future. Um, volunteering with something like Doctors Without Borders has been pretty high on like my bucket list. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to that. Um, yeah, but again, like, I, I, I don't think I would change anything. It, it's it's fine. The money doesn't matter to me as much as it does to other people. So I'm not going to just go off and, like, oh, this job pays more. Like, you have to sit at a desk and, like, make, like, 100 or 200K a year. But I'm not going to do that because having more money doesn't necessarily matter to me. So Your friends think otherwise, apparently, though. Yeah. Uh... I the reason why I'm jaded is because evil where you can put in less time during school and still make enough money to like pay for certain things 
Um, but the other reason is like, for me, I go to school and then I bust my butt selling magic cards the rest of the day. And then I have like no time for homework. So like I can fall behind very fast if I don't manage my schedule correctly. And like Ed has very good time management skills and he's better adapted at doing this. Uh, the reason why it's a side gig is because I don't have time to, and I don't want to make it into a full-time gig at all. Um, the returns, like Jim said, it, sometimes it's just out of your control. Like if you had speculated on modern in 2000 and, um, 2015, when Oath of the Gatewatch came out, when modern was at its all time high and you didn't know about Eldrazi and like you bought everything in modern trying to start a shop, you would have lost like half your value judging by historical graphs two years later. And like based on past price trends, you should have made money, but instead you lost a bunch of money. That's just assuming you held it. That's not assuming you tried to flip everything though. Um, I don't know. It's just like, you can like we we've talked about this on like what what is considered a successful shop on after hours and like people hear half a million dollars in sales from like small game shops and then they don't realize how little profit actually goes to the owner or it's like five percent or something so like the numbers may look big on what you're buying and selling but for a lot of people who make this their full-time job they're not actually making that much money but for the people that are in that that top 1% of 1%, like Ed, that go internationally all over the place and have all the connections, it can be worthwhile for them. Um, would I have gotten into MTG Finance in the past? Probably not. I, it just sort of happened. So I went with it. That was uh, pretty much it. Also, he said we need to get a Photoshop of the most interesting man in the world with Ed's face on it. I think yeah, Ed no, left no, out I, that I, part. I, I said that. Oh. I said that. I, I think Jim said that. Uh, no, that was me. So if you listen to our cast and you want to Photoshop Ed's face onto the most interesting man in the world, uh, go for that. But, I mean, saying it's a long-term career is generous. Like, how do you define a long-term career? Like, 20 years? There's only, like, four vendors who have been working for 20 years in magic, maybe 25 now that I think about it. But I, I guess a long-term career in magic is like 10 years to buy and sell cards. So it's whatever. So I guess to kind of provide like a rebuttal to your point, right? Like if we're going off the stipulation of the question, like we have our knowledge now. I don't know, like 2013 for you, like 2005 for me. Right, like obviously if we have the knowledge we have now, right, like like history would be like way different, right? Like you could buy into Bitcoin in 2013 and you probably wouldn't even bother with law school at all, right? But like given, given like given what we know, like like is like MDG finance like or whatever we do, is that like necessarily the worst course of decision? Like if you chose to not do magic, like what would what would you fill your non law school time with? Like would you just spend all your time doing homework or yeah. Or, or what? Like, yeah, definitely. There's, there's, I, I, <laughs> Jim, there's, uh, there's contracts you have to sign and stuff that say how many hours you can work per week on like non homework related stuff, things like that. Um, I mean, it, it's all, it's all, all this is, is like, well, what if this had happened or what if that had happened? 
But like knowing what I know now, would I have gotten into magic like five or what is it, 2017, five or six years ago? Like no. And I probably would have spent a lot less money opening booster packs and like stuff like that. All the stupid mistakes we all did when we all started off. So like you 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 look at like how much some customers spend on buying a couple booster packs every week and how that adds up every year, and then you think I could have put that away for retirement. Just bought singles. But like that that that's like not even remotely close to being like a realistic way to look at things, right? Like how much like like obviously you're well off, right? But like you have classmates, right? You have people who are going to law school and probably leaving with like what, like three hundred K in debt? Right, they're gonna like spend the next hundred thousand, probably. I mean, does that count undergrad? Yeah, a hundred thousand for undergrad in law school. Sure. So, like a hundred thousand. Like, obviously, that's like far less than a lot of like other professional programs. Like, I have friends who are getting out of medical school with like half a million dollars in debt, and it's just like, like that's completely unrealistic. Like, is that necessarily like the life you want to live? Like, you spend, you know, like obviously, you're you're. You're like in the one percent where your like your school costs are covered, but think about these people. They're literally gonna spend the next like twenty years or something, like 10, 15, 20 years paying off their student debt, right? And it's and assuming like, you know, they're not most people aren't gonna be a type where, you know, I'm gonna live in like a tiny studio apartment, spend all my money towards paying off my debt. Most people probably are gonna wanna do things like waste money buying booster packs or oh, I have to pay for like a car, I have to pay for a wedding, I have to pay for a house, etc. So, I don't know. I, I, I just think, hey, like... Have you been looking at my bank statements? What's up? Enough, I was just making fun. You just named, like, all the things that I've been spending my money on instead of paying for my student loans. Right. Clearly. And, like, I, I, I think Jim's case is, like, a more, like, realistic situation, right? Like, you can't blame people for making, like, poor financial decisions. Like, not that I'm saying what you're doing is our poor financial decisions, Jim. <laughs> like, I, I would never make fun of you like that because I would be... Cool and mean to me, but um, I, I hear I, what I, you're saying, but that doesn't sound like what you said. I think, like, the point, my point being, like, if we're looking at it from like a pure EV perspective, like, sure, like, none of us would have done it, right? I probably would have just gone on to be a doctor and like had a much more normal life, and who knows where I'd be right now, right? But like, I, I think the non tangibles like that I've gone out of it are things that, I, that you can't really put like a price on, so. It's a good way to put it. No, I think all of us should follow Mr. Money Mustache and save every single penny and live in a studio apartment and dive for food in the dump. No, I don't think it's that far. It's just like MTG Finance is negative EV unless you're very good at it. And there's quite frankly not that many people that are that good at it that can turn it into a job. Plus it's like uh, what you give up for pursuing like MTG Finance full-time like a normal job, a stable salary, healthcare, unless you're working for a shop, stuff like that. But we don't really need to spend all cast uh, dwelling on what could have been, I think. But it is a very interesting question. So thank you for asking that, Brad. Any other questions that you want to answer this week, Jim? Since uh, Or Ed, actually. Anything else you guys want to talk about from all the questions our viewers have asked us this week? I've gone through and answered a lot of them. So <laughs> if there are more that are, have not been answered, I can slowly get to them. I think one that we can kind of touch on um, was the video that Alpha Investments uh, Rudy put up about expanding the reserve list um, into like the modern staples or whatever. Um, 
I, I think this is something like we've all kind of touched on in the past that it's not really any secret to what our stance on the reserve list is. Um, I'm pretty indifferent towards it. Like, yes, I have like stuff in, I obviously have like plenty of reserve list staples, but for the most part, that's stuff that I try and turn through with the knowledge that the reserve list honestly might not last. Um, like, would I be annoyed that it goes away? Of course. Am I annoyed that like reprints happen every year? Absolutely. Right. Like every, like every time, like, uh, there's spoilers, like, like a Masters happening or like the next kind of like roadblock is like Mar Masters 25 or uh Masters 25 excuse me you're always playing the game like oh god what are we gonna lose money on now and you kind of have like this negative balance where it's just like I want to have cards in stock I want to be able to sell these cards we have to have them in like in store for people but at the same time I just want to put these online and sell them right now like if it means like you know we don't have cards in store that means that we're not going to lose money on it when it at some point in the future gets reprinted. And I think that creates kind of like a really awkward standoff. Like, yes, I understand like you get more volume by people paying slightly less on fetch lands or whatever, but it just, it still, it still feels bad. Um, like when you kind of look like Jesus Christ, like we had how many fetch lands that we just lost, you know, like 20% on um, like, yes, it's a relatively short way of thinking, but there are a lot of store owners out there who like honestly can't afford to take that hit because they don't do the same amount of online volume. They don't sell online at all, or they just don't have the traffic, um, or sales numbers to justify like, you know, Hey, my playset of, uh, my place of fetches in case they just lost like 20% value because they announced a reprint. Anything you want to add, Jim? No, I mean, like, I don't own those stores, and a lot of my cards are quite expensive, and the ones that I have on the reserve list, obviously, would get much less expensive if they were to get reprinted. But once again, I feel the same the same way as most people on the cast, where reprinting cards is generally net good for everyone. Um, cheaper copies means the stores sell more. Cheaper copies means I buy more. Like they're more affordable for everyone, and then I don't know. I think it's net good to have no reserve list, but I can understand that people don't necessarily want like you know their power or whatever to like have in value overnight because those cards are so unbelievably expensive now. Um, you know, I, I think that the people that say that they like, oh, I'd quit Legacy if the reserve list is removed and my duels weren't worth anything, are just you know basically full of shit, because if you really enjoyed the format and you enjoyed playing Magic, it doesn't really matter how much your cards are worth, because you're not going to sell them. Um, so, like, I think that in the end, the healthiest thing for Magic is affordable cards. So, I think adding more cards to the unaffordable list doesn't really help that situation. I think as long as we don't go full Yu-Gi-Oh, where they reprint everything, like if we start getting two master sets a year, I'll be a little concerned because I don't think the player base can handle that. Uh, but I think like one master set a year is enough where like we can keep getting reprints in, um, and it'll the market will rebound. We're like there's so much wallet fatigue this time of year that like. I don't get why Iconic is out. Like, sure, it makes a good holiday gift, but everybody's tapped out at this point. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do it when it was a really, like, the week after Hascon or something. Like, why did they wait so long for it to come out? They could have also, like, done... They could have done it, like, 
right after tax season when everyone gets their returns and then they could have had uh mm17 i guess it would have been two months later for people that still had money but like instead we're getting a product this is product number two out of out of four in the next five in the in the five week period like it's crazy because explorers of ixalan is next week i think and then unstable is like two and a half weeks from now well no from the vault still hasn't come out yet right i didn't even think about that man it's too much shit it's a lot of stuff anything you want to add ed like, like I do, I, I do agree. Like, it's like if you really care for the game, like from a player's perspective, like obviously it's great that you know, like you don't have to spend like, you know, uh, like one hundred sixty dollars for the pair of flusher storms you need. But I think, like, yes, obviously, like anyone who's familiar with Yu Gi Oh, um, I think their market plan is terrible. The fact that Konami like has wholeheartedly stated like no one should be making money on us. Obviously, people still do, but. People like literally have to sell cards at like thirty percent of their value, um, because like who knows like when like your next staple is to be printed as like a common or come in like a tin or a precon or something. Uh, obviously, we're not at that point yet, but like I, I'm sympathetic towards people very similar to how I'm sympathetic towards like people who had like Emrakul's smuggler copters, like those things. Whenever like we go through banning cycle because your cards are being devalued. Um, like, is it realistic with the expectation that like your, like your hobby should be free or affordable to play? Like, obviously that's not realistic, right? Like no one out, goes out and buys like a boat and expects that they can sell a boat like, you know, two years down the line for anywhere close to retail value, right? Uh, they probably like would be lucky to get like half. Um, but we're getting at a point where like the staples, like it just, like people like me when i don't really have time to play i literally want to own zero magic cards personally mainly because like i can't speak for jim and like how many cards you keep and like you keep an edh decks but i assume you have almost like basically zero competitive cards i remember you're trying to sell your foil burn deck some time ago um and it just makes it it just makes keeping like you know those types of things like an unrealistic prospect because at some point you're gonna lose money and i'd rather take like rationally in my mind i would think like hey like do i really need to own five modern decks probably not like uh, depending on how often i play modern at all how long does it take me to recuperate my costs i'm better off taking like you know 60 or 70 percent right now as opposed to getting like you know 50 percent in a year when the like when the tape when the staples start tanking so that's my perspective like I, i i'm slightly more leaning towards like keep the reserve list but I'm wholeheartedly sympathetic toward people who are priced out legacy because of it. Yep, I agree. I just think that, like, there's no reason for them to add cards to the reserve list, especially for newer stuff. Like, he owns, like, six figures worth of boxes that would instantly go up if there is a modern reserve list. So obviously he's going to try to push to peddle this narrative where like, ah, yes, they should do this because this drives views and stuff to my channel and I get money and my boxes will go up. But you sort of have to look at like why he's making that video and why he's trying to sway his audience into that. Everyone has a motive, you know, and like we're all on this cast for a reason. 
you also have to figure out you have to ask yourself the question why is he wearing a booster wrapper on his head that's another question you have to ask i saw like a a preview of like one of his newer videos because for some reason they always come up as like my recommended videos on youtube even though i've never watched any of them algorithm that algorithm man. i know i know but like i never click on them and like one of the newer ones he's like looking away from the camera and he has like a booster wrapper on his head like in his hair and i just like i don't know what you're doing man clickbait I mean, I knew that, but, like, I didn't want to say it. Ed? Like, like we can move on. Like, I, I think, like, this is, what, like, a horse we're just going to continue to beat to death. I, I imagine we'll probably re revisit the reserve list, but I think you're right. Like, I think at this point, like, trying to expand on the reserve list is just, like, that That would just be completely idiotic. Like, as much as I, would, like, would like to see the reserve list kind of stay as it is, like, obviously, like, reprints being coming out in, like, some controlled fashion. I think just adding, like, fetch lands to the reserve list would just be, like, a completely egregious error. Uh, so, that, like, that's something I would definitely not sympathize. But I think, like, the rate of things which are being reprinted is getting a little high. It, like, it just feels like the reprint sets have gone, like, progressively, like, there have been just more and more reprints every year. Uh, when we first kind of started out, like, oh, Modern Masters is on a two-year cycle. That felt, like, a little more realistic. Uh, prices like Tarmogoyf probably didn't need to stay over $100 for as long as it did. But now we've had like from beginning with Mar Masters 17 this year in March until like March 2018, we've seen three sets between Mar Masters 3 Iconic and uh, Masters 25. And to me, that does feel a little excessive. Um, and I feel like that's kind of Wizards overcompensating for the reserve list existing. Yep, good point. You guys want to move into Pick of the Week? The pick of the week, or do we want another topic? Yeah, we can do one more. Like another question. It, it's a little early, and I also need to find a pick of the week still. So I, I you know, what? I was <laughs> not going to be the person to say that. Well, I was going to be the person to say that, but you beat me to it. All right, Ed, choose your last favorite question that our viewers have asked us. Oh God, I don't have the web page up. Jim, help. No, you're you're sinking on this one, buddy. I did my job. Well, uh, it might take less. It might take less time for me to just find a pick of the week and just like make up some, like some BS reason why it should be good, as opposed to waiting on it, as opposed to trying to find another question. Uh, let's see if I can pull up another question here. Uh, Jeremy, this is your last cast, right? For the rest of the year, basically? No, we'll talk about that while you're looking up a question. So we're going to take a hiatus in December. Uh, I have exams, and then I'm out of the country for the rest of the month. So I, I guess everyone else is too lazy to record without me. I think Travis will be on another sabbatical. And I think Ed wants some PTO. So... This will probably be our second or third last cast of the year. Even though I, I offered for them to continue recording without me, but I guess they just don't want to put any effort into all the editing work that I put into this cast, clearly. Oh, um, okay, I was like, man, I definitely at least organized it like at least a couple of times. But yeah, you, you went to the non-editing non job that you do, and I'm okay. Yep. Um, so we'll probably end it off. Uh, 
there should be some after hours still if you guys are into that those are only available on youtube or soundcloud because uh, we talk about stuff that we can't normally talk about um so those will sporadically be appearing in your feed in december but we just don't have time to regularly schedule a cast and i can't guarantee that my internet will be good in uh the places i'm going to ed have you found a sufficient question yet uh this is actually one that's uh typed up on gathering magic or anything but i can kind of touch on it since a lot of people have kind of asked um regarding grand prix next year um in terms of like the costs and whatnot uh so anyone who is not on the vendor solicitation email from channel fireball the way they're doing it is that any booth is gonna be six thousand dollars for a standard booth eight thousand dollars for an extended booth and ten thousand dollars for uh, a premier like island style booth which may or may not be available every show um there's some stipulations and exceptions to that uh for example sydney the booth is only three thousand dollars probably because they have a pretty hard time filling it uh they're still working on a lot of the southeast asia booths um and the way that um rather than the past years where they have a vendor package type deal where you sign up for x number of grand prix you get a discount um each grand prix is assigned a certain number of points ranging from one to five um the more the more vendor points you have at the end of each of the six months so there's the from january to june and then july through december um the vendor points will uh, depending on how many you accumulate you'll get a certain discount on it um if it's like zero to nine there's obviously no discount and then it's every 10 points after that it's a five percent discount uh so if you so if you do 10 to 19 that's five percent 20 to 29 it's 10 percent etc i think it caps out at about 20 i think it caps out 25 percent um and the way the vendor points are assigned to each uh grand prix is the more demand there is for that particular grand prix the lower number of vendor points you'll get. And obviously that's a way to entice people to go to places like Sydney, where they might be short on vendors. Um, Sydney this past year, previous year had five vendors at it. Uh, Hong Kong two weeks ago had eight vendors. Um, some of the more obscure places um, like, like South America, I think uh, Buenos Aires was one of the locations for a Grand Prix. I think that one is an example of a five point Grand Prix memphis was like four points i think they were just not expecting like a huge turnout at that particular grand prix so that's why it's four uh, the most popular locations like london in january that they're expecting like 3500 people that one that one is only worth one a lot of the double headers like vegas seattle birmingham uh all those are only one um so it's kind of like this interesting game um i've talked to a lot of different vendors um i'm not really sure where people kind of fall on that uh you're either committed to doing a lot of them uh because that you just have to accept that you're basically going to be paying full price for them which at 6k is pretty steep uh they've done nothing but gone up over the past few years it was five to six thousand this year uh in the past years it was like four thousand for a standard booth um so We'll kind of see how that plays out. Like, obviously, there's some legacy vendors that will always be there. Cool stuff is realistically the only remaining one. MTG deals. Uh, Charles sold his company. It's operating under someone else. So he's he's out. Um, I'm still working on the schedule. I put my application for a few, but I like as a company with like with how hard cash flow is in this industry, it's hard to commit 
it to a bunch at once because channel fireball they basically want you to put down a two thousand dollar deposit right off the bat um for each grand prix so if you're doing 20 grand if you're doing like 10 grand prix uh in the first six months which is a lot granted like you have to basically fork over twenty thousand, and you basically have to cover the balance of each grand prix um two two months out before it happens so like the very first grand prix is in santa clara like if you want to do them, you have basically already had to pay for them. And any that are coming up in February, you basically have two weeks to pay off the full balance on them. And that's and that's not seeing any like you're not gonna be able to recuperate your costs for two months from now. And that's and you still have cost add on top of that, like airfare, hotels, whatever. Um I so I think like a few people just kind of inquired about it. I think that's just kind of uh, a fun factoid for people who don't really know um just kind of what it takes to get into a Grand Prix circuit. Uh, Star City is much better. They want fifty five hundred for a booth, but they only get they guarantee that there's only three vendors and Star City at each one. So, all right, Ed, hit us with the pick of the week, Mister Numbers. Um, I like Legion's Landing. It's one of the cards where it's not really secret that the Abzan Tokens deck is very good. Um, like obviously we've seen the spike with Anointed Procession already. That one is uh going to be an like a casual favorite uh we've seen like parallel lives kind of gone through this this is white parallel lives um legion's landing i think if the deck does get a little bit more visibility i don't think it had a super deep run in pro tour ixlon on day two mainly just because so people were playing it um it is, does seem like the type of card the effect is very powerful um it being legendary is kind of awkward but the tokens deck um, the Abzan Tokens deck, it plays at, uh, the cards of four of, so it doesn't really matter. But it seems like this card definitely has some casual appeal to it. Excuse me. The effect of these enchantments of flipping the lands, which gives you kind of like a weird ramping uh, step that most of these uh, colors should have access to is also kind of interesting. Uh, Legion's Land is the type of card where if it does kind of become a format staple, like go up to ten dollars um especially if you know we do see a little bit more casual play out of it jim so my pick of the week is aggravated assault from explorers of ixalan um that's not a card that people really think of as being like a all-star or like a casual staple but it's only got one printing like one reprinting before this, which was um, Invocation, and then before that it was only an Onslaught. This card has a lot of like weird infinite combos with guys that make mana when they attack and stuff like that, so I have a feeling that this card's going to probably be one of the ones that's going to recover the quickest. It's currently significantly less um, on pre-orders that I've seen uh, than the Onslaught copy, so uh, I have a feeling that not a lot of these are going to be opened, and people are going to be worried more about like the Time Warp and the uh, Quicksilver Amulet, because those are things that people know they will use a lot of, and not so much on the Aggravated Assault, which is, I believe, to be a more flexible card because, uh, I mean, red cards in EDH are just not particularly good most of the time, and that one's actually quite good and quite old. So I'm a big fan of Aggravated Assault. My pick of the week is Deranged Hermit Judge Foils. Uh, this is a twenty-five to thirty-dollar card. Uh, Earl of the Scroll just got spoiled, so I think people are going to buy this out anyway. Now I realize the implications of saying people are going to buy this out and what that means when MTG Finance people listen, 
Um, but overall, we're going to see a lot of people go nuts over the new uh, scroll cards. So it's just a, something to keep in mind if you have like nut collectors or deranged hermits lying around. You might want to get ready to spike. Um, you definitely don't want to catch the tail end of this spike because you won't really make any money on it towards the end. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye on as uh, people branch out to what they're buying out when it comes to squirrels. So, uh, that's my, it's my pick. Um, that pretty much wraps it up for this week. So where can people find you guys? Uh, at Edwin 13 on Twitter. Uh, I try and answer as many questions on gathering magic as I can. Um, I have noticed that some people have actually responded to my response. So I'll actually try and go back and, uh, keep the conversation going, especially if your question didn't get answered here. I think there's a lot of good questions that some of them are a little bit too time consuming to just answer on the cast, or it's, it's a little bit more interesting to kind of go back and forth. So I'll kind of do that with people. I just have to go back and uh, go through them. Uh, this weekend I'm in Portland. Uh, great state. There is good coffee, no sales tax. Uh, it's worth coming here. I'll be here at the Grand Prix hanging out with friends. And family through Thanksgiving, and then I'll be at Pokemon Regionals next weekend in San Jose. And I had plans to go to Grand Prix Madrid. Um, that might not happen, so I will probably be at the booth with Kerwin's at Grand Prix New Jersey to close out the year. Sounds like your plans ended in Spain of you trying to make them. That was terrible. What even that was, was that you tried to say? Like In vain? Oh my god, that was such a stretch. Oh god, I was, I was thinking like in spite. That's even worse. Yeah. The fact that there's <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You you are you need to like take the month off and like get all this bad puns out of your system because I don't think I could deal with you in January for like this. But if you want to deal with Jim, where can people find you to deal with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at phrosd underscore. Uh, you can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. I will also be taking a break from writing in December because it turns out MTG Finance stuff doesn't happen when nobody's playing Magic. Uh, and you can find me in the not-so-great state of Florida. Um, I will be visiting New York City at the end of the year. Uh, so if you're there, or if you're at the Winter Classic, that's where I'm going to be. Uh, you guess you can... The Winter Classic is on New Year's Day. Definitely not going out of the city for that because that was a way to basically get stuck. I mean, it's at, it's at City Field. It's not in Manhattan. Eh, that's slightly better. Queens. It's in Queens. That's slightly better. That's like I'll a look lot into it. better. I'll look into it because did Jeremy say he was thinking about maybe making a stop? I was going to talk about that if you would let me get to where people can find me. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. You can find me all across the state of Missouri at various shops. Um, I will be in Hawaii and Israel and maybe New York and Japan in December and January. So I can't guarantee how good my internet connection will be. Um, and since I get back, like, technically the day before, yeah, I guess when you convert it over, technically the day before um, uh, the Winter Classic, I will see what I can do about making it there with some friends. So that's uh, 
that's may, it might be a plan where the three of us meet up and uh, Travis isn't there again. So we will see. Um, if you're looking for Travis, he is on his honeymoon. He will be back on the cast hopefully next week. Uh, thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 79. You can follow us on Twitter at cartel underscore finance. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on Gathering Magic or download us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a good rest of your Thanksgiving.